Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers. John DeShazer is joining me as we'll have NOLA.com's Luke Johnson on as our guest today to rehash the Saints season, the 30-20 win over the Atlanta Falcons yesterday, which despite great efforts by the Saints down the stretch this season, they fall just short of the playoffs. New Orleans finishes the season with a record of 9-8, and eight, making the Saints the only the second current team to have at least five consecutive winning seasons. So all in all, considering everything that this team went through this season, capping it with a 30 to 20 win over your rival and a nine and eight record is pretty dang good. In that game against the Falcons, running back Alvin Kamara finished with 146 rushing yards on a career high 30 carries. He just absolutely brought it every single week that he was available to play this season. Defensive end Cameron Jordan had two tackles, two pass breakups, and a sack. That gives him 12 and a half on the season. Jordan has 107 career sacks now. That is good for 26 in the NFL. Pretty incredible year by Jordan when you look back at it as well. Before we get in to our guests today, it was announced the opponents for the Saints 2022 season. Their home games will include Atlanta, Carolina, Tampa Bay, the Los Angeles Rams, Seattle, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Las Vegas, and Minnesota. So you can look forward to all of those teams being here in New Orleans in the Caesar Superdome in 2022. We are going to bring it next season. Can't wait to see all the fans back. Now for our guest today, it is Luke Johnson. He covers the Saints for the New Orleans Advocate, and you can find him at by Luke Johnson on Twitter. Luke, thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast today. We really appreciate it. I know you are fresh off of a flight back from Atlanta. It was a great game for the Saints. So we appreciate you taking some time to join us today. Of course, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. When you were sitting there watching the game and seeing what the Saints were, were doing, what stood out to you the most? Was it just the offense and the ability to really start moving the ball some or just the fact that, you know, overall they just play pretty sound football? You know, honestly, the thing that really jumped out to me was, you know, of course, things weren't normal for this team, right? Like Taysom Hill, who's their number two quarterback, but their starting quarterback gets hurt in the second quarter. And uh, as soon as it happens, you're just like, of course, mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, this, this is just the way things have to be for this team, apparently. Um, and it was a game they had to win. And Trevor Simeon came in and played great football. Um, you know, he wasn't flashy or anything, but uh they scored 23 points with Trevor Simeon at quarterback after he jumped in the second quarter there. Um, you know, he, he was very just consistent, steady, and that's kind of who he's proven he can be. Um, it's twice now that he's stepped in kind of midstream and directed the offense to a pretty good day. So I think that was the thing that stood out the most to me. You know, the defense, obviously, those guys just played their tails off all season. Um you know, I, I think not enough is being said about the job Dennis Allen did, having those guys ready to play every week, uh, regardless of who's ready or who's there available to play. Um, so, you know, I, I think that was a really good way for them to close out what, what was a very challenging season. Um, it's a shame that they don't get a chance to keep it going next week because I think they're a great story. But, um, you know, I think that's uh, the fact that they finished nine and eight with a chance to go to the playoffs in week 18. I, I think it's a, a really big accomplishment for them. It's pretty incredible when you look back at all of the different things that this Saints team went through this season with the hurricane, the COVID injuries. I mean, there was a number 
of, of things that led into each and every week being a challenge. And the fact that they were able to come out with it with a nine and eight win is impressive in itself. As far as the team and what they were able to overcome, like what stood out to you in their mentality and then their approach to this season? Well, shoot. I, I mean, I, I was looking back at it today. Um, you know, the beginning of the year, we all did these predictions uh, with for our, our columnists over the time, Spicky and Jeff Duncan. He went around and kind of gauged the, the media and what they thought. Um, and I put, I think my prediction was was 10 and 7, but I don't think this team can survive a rash of injuries, right? And, like, I was so wrong, obviously. Um, you, you know, 58 players started games for them this year, which is an NFL record. Um, you know, it was – their starting quarterback and it was their backup quarterback and it was their you know, Alvin Kamara, who I think is one of the best players in all football. Um, you know, he missed four games. Uh, Michael Thomas was out for the year. Uh, they started 11 different offensive linemen. You know, the list goes on and on and on. And I think that's the biggest challenge uh, that they had to overcome. Yeah. The, the hurricane was awful and um, nobody wants to spend a month away from home. Um, COVID was, terrible but I think a lot of teams had to deal with stuff like that you know even similar situations where they were without you know 20 players at a time mm -hmm. um but I, I don't think anybody really had to deal with the depth of injuries to really key important players the way the Saints did this year um and you know the fact that they were able to 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 navigate a five-game losing streak and still come out uh, you know with a winning record at the end of the year um and they were able to kind of just piece things together and find ways to win you know it wasn't really the way we're we're used to seeing them win games. You know, their offense didn't have a, a great statistical season, but they were able to still, they're nine and eight right now. Um, I, I mean, I just think the navigating all that stuff speaks so much to um, you know, the culture this organization has established. You know, a lot of us have talked about that in the last week or so, um, but really you see that in times like this um, when everything's going wrong and, and they're still right where they need to be. Look, you mentioned that word culture and you hear it from the team all the time. When do you feel like it kind of kicked in for this team uh, over the past several seasons? Because you know, obviously they went seven to nine, three consecutive seasons before the 2017 season. Do you kind of feel like it kind of turned the tide right there with the culture and, and everything that they you know express and preach right now? Yeah, you know, I think they, they first of all, you know, you, you look at when this whole thing started was 17 when they added all those great players in that draft. Um and, you know, I think they had a pretty good culture in place when they added those guys into the mix. Uh, a lot of the guys that we've talked about as being key leaders are, are you know, we're in there in the building. You know, Drew Brees was there for the last three years of it uh, or four years. Um, you know, Cam Jordan and, and, and Teron Armstead and, and all these guys who are really important, like foundational guys to, to what they've built there were all there. And then they added the really good players to the mix and those guys all got used to winning and that's what they expected out of themselves. And then obviously you've had the, the continuity on the staff, which is, a, it never happens in the modern NFL, right? It, I mean, Sean Payton for, for the last five seasons or six seasons has had the same offensive and defensive coordinators and, and pretty much the same assistant staff under those guys. So you get all these guys used to winning. You get obviously some really talented players and it just kind of builds upon itself. And then it's just your responsibility to take care of it and to keep bringing the right players in the building. And, and they, you know, we, we talk about that too with the kind of guys that they go after. They go after guys who are smart players, 
Uh, it's, a, it's an adjective Sean Payton uses like five times a week when he's describing his guy. Um, and, and they go after you know, players who, who kind of buy into what they want to do. You know, I, I don't think they got a, a ton of guys on this team who are really um, is super motivated by individual stuff. Um, and, and I think that shows when, when you got a year like this year um, where everybody just kind of got a band together. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been in place, but, um, but the guys they added to it, I think have only elevated it. I think there's beginning to come a groundswell of appreciation for what Dennis Allen has done. But when you see what DA does with this defense, how impressive has this defense been? Because they're, and every now and then they'll have a spot where they have a tough game, but for the most part, it was the unit that carried the water for this for this team this season. How impressive has it been for for what he's been able to do, and I guess play the guy's strengths. Yeah, I mean it's been so impressive. I, you know, I, I think he should be up for consideration for a number of head coaching jobs, uh, just based on on that defense alone. Look, the first year here, I mean they were bottom of the barrel, right? They were like, I think number thirty two in total defense and number twenty nine in scoring defense, and you've seen them like every year a little bit better, a little bit better. And then finally the last two years, they've just taken off. Um, and, you know, I think he, he has a really smart foundational idea where he wants his guys to be uh, really stout against the run. And you take that away and he can, he can then manipulate things and, and, and take away the other aspects of the game. Yeah. I, I wrote this down in my notebook last night. Like, I don't know how many of the sacks the saints had this year came on third downs. Right. But it seems like he's so good at getting these offenses into these these bad third down situations, and then that's when he gets creative, right? He's like, okay, they're in third and nine. I'm going to send like a double A gap blitz, but I'm going to drop Marcus Davenport off into like the flat. And yeah. it seems like nobody ever knows what's coming, and and they've they've been able to get so many like drive killing sacks and big plays. And uh, I just think he's really smart, and and I think honestly beyond all the scheme stuff um i just think dennis a knows his personnel really well he knows what they do and he has them do it really well and then b he trusts his staff to have input like he's he doesn't rule with an iron fist um you know those guys all have a piece in it you know it, there's it's it's like a full team effort on that defensive staff um and you know it shows and he's, he's a really smart coach. He's a great leader. And, and, you know, I, I hope um, maybe this isn't what Saints fans want to hear, but I hope he gets a, another shot at, at uh, having a, a big time gig because he's, he's been a, a great, uh, a great, great defensive coordinator here for years now. Yeah, he, he deserves one. He definitely deserves one. Okay. Now coach Payton said today that, you know, it takes a three to four week process, I guess, to kind of, you know, decompress a little bit and then start evaluating personnel. And, but we're not going to give you three or four weeks, Luke. What's the thing that the Saints need to do uh, to get this team back into the playoffs uh, personnel-wise? Yeah, I, I mean, I think first and foremost, it starts with quarterback. I think that's going to be the biggest uh, question going into this offseason. Um, you know, Taysom Hill, I, I think, is, is going to be a part of this team for a long time, maybe for the rest of his career. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think they go into this offseason with, like, all right, Taysom, it's your job. It just doesn't seem to be their nature. I mean, they didn't even do it last year um, when they had their first quarterback competition around here in a long time. So you know, Taysom will be, up, will be back, but I think um, if I'm if my memory serves correctly, both Jameis Winston and Trevor Simeon are, uh, are set to be free agents. Um, so, uh, you know, 
I think there's it's it's a question going into the offseason. And, and I think um, you know some of the the numbers for the Saints this year were were skewed because of how many just significant injuries they had to deal with. Um, but you know, I don't think Sean Payton wants to be playing a lot of 23-20 games. You know, I, 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 he wants to have he wants to have his quarterback in place, somebody you know he can trust. You know, they're not like Drew Brees doesn't grow on trees, right? Yeah. It, it, you're not going to get like not necessarily just going to go pluck one out of, out of thin air, but um, I, I think he wants to go back to, to having that that kind of aggressive offense. It's up in the top five, top four of the NFL in scoring, total offense, that sort of thing. And I, I think that starts with having the right quarterback in place. So a um, lot of stuff to look out for this year, whether it's a draft or free agency or, you know, Jameis Winston coming back. We don't know any about that yet, um, but you start there. And then I think you, you still, you got to look at, you know, upgrading some other spots. I think they're going to need some help at receiver. Michael Thomas coming back and be big, but he hasn't played basically healthy in two years now. Um, so I, I don't think you can just bank on him being the same player he was in 2019. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a chance that there's some, some kind of shuffling on the offensive line. Um, so really my, my main focus going into this offseason personnel wise, if I'm the Saints is, is taking a, a good hard look at the offense and seeing where you can tweak it and you know, find your guy at quarterback and then build the, the offense around him. You mentioned that, you know, Drew Brees doesn't grow on trees and that's obvious. And we knew that this time was going to come where he retires and no longer a quarterback for the saints, but the way that this season went, I don't think anybody would have assumed that this would be how it felt the first year post breeze. So we kind of put this maybe aside as like a, just a unique weird situation and then maybe next year is when we start building towards what the future is going to be here yeah absolutely i, I mean I, I don't think you can take anything <laughs> i don't think you can take much from this year <laughs> and just like translate it like wholesale and be like oh yeah that's that's what we were you know it, it's there was there's so many moving parts and so many just like huge challenges every week to overcome and it was always something new Okay, well, we're going to be with both of our starting tackles, really all pro guys who are, you know, both probably 20 million a year plus players. Uh, you know, take them out of the lineup and try to come up with a game plan. You know, take Alvin Kamara out of the lineup for four games. He does so many different things um, as a receiver and a runner, and, and he's a huge focal point for opposing defenses and throw him out of the mix. And no Michael Thomas, and you're starting a, a couple undrafted free agent rookies at wide receiver. and you know, your tight end gets hurt and then he goes in the COVID list. And it's just, there's so many different things offensively that you're just like, you just kind of got to throw this year out. Um, it just in terms of, of like evaluating the numbers and seeing where they are as a team, I think, um, you know, all those things don't go wrong. They're, I don't think they're ranked like 30th in total offense or whatever they were this year. Um, but there's still enough where you, where you saw that you, you're like, okay, we still, we still need to probably address a few things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think a quarterback is chief among those. You look at the, the teams in the playoffs right now, there aren't a lot of teams there, um, especially at the, the top levels of the playoffs, um, you know, the one and two and three seeds where they, they don't have, uh, you know, elite level quarterback play. It's just a necessity in the NFL. So it, it, paramount that they figure that out this season or, or, or at least – you have a guy in place that they think can be the guy. Do you have anybody that you'd like to see here? Do you want to even answer that question? <laughs> uh, 
to save myself from uh, from the Twitter bad, <laughs> I'll I'll, uh, I'll take I'll take a bow out on that one for now. But I, I think there's there's a yeah. I mean, there's there's interesting names out there, right? Yeah. I, I think I think Jameis played pretty well in his seven starts. Um, you know, career best touchdown to interception ratio. Um, I think career best passer rating. Yeah, they didn't ask him to do a ton uh, because uh, yeah, they they were still leaning on the defense early in the year until they kind of figured out what they were offensively. But I think he played well enough to to merit consideration for that job. Um, and there's you know there's been some really interesting names thrown out there, uh, guys who could be available. And and you know there's been some reports saying it's not likely he's traded. But that stuff all is fluid. I think in the off season, mm-hmm. uh, if somebody like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers is available yeah, you, you get on the phone and, and you see what it takes and you see if, if your franchise can, can stomach the cost for that. Um, because uh, you know, those guys are at top of the top and those, those are the guys that lead talented rosters, like the ones the saints have to super bowls. So, um, you know, and, and I don't think this quarterback class in this draft is, is, um, one that, you know, looking, looking at it now is, is one where you're like, Oh yeah, there's a clear cut front guy and there's, mm-hmm. there's five top 10 picks or whatever. Um, but you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of these guys at the senior bowl in a couple of weeks. Um, and you know, the saints love scouting that they love going out there and getting a first kind of glimpse at these guys. And I, I imagine they'll do their homework there too. Um, so there's a lot of different avenues they could go. They could just bring the incumbent back as long as he's, he's healthy coming off that, uh, that torn ACL or they can explore this, this market, which I think is, you know, has potential to be kind of crazy this off season. The past four years, the saints have been in postseason play and it's not been a question near the end of the season. You, you knew you were going to be there. How weird was the way that yesterday kind of unfolded and now and you probably don't even know what it's going to feel like, but not having a postseason to cover. Well, okay. So it was really weird yesterday because uh, you know, the game the game was playing out in front of us. We were, we were all watching from the press box. And for, for fans who don't know, uh, when you go to these opposing stadiums, a lot of times, um, and most of the time, the front office staff will be sitting in the press box. Um, they're usually right behind us. So, you know, we see, you know, for most games, Mickey Loomis and Jeff Ireland and Kai Harley and, and the bunch, they're all up there. Um, and in the fourth quarter, I mean, the Saints were, were pretty comf- comfortably ahead. It looked like they were heading kind of cruising to an easy win. And it looked back and, and there's nobody back there. <laughs> and they all had like made their way back into the uh, like the common area. And they were watching the 49ers Rams game on TV. It was just kind of like like a bizarre day. Um, and of course, that yeah, the, the Rams and 49ers game was ahead of the Saints game. And, and you know, we all thought we were going to know by the time the game was over, what the outcome was, and then they go to overtime. So, I mean, the game's over and, and nobody's even really like worried about the game they just watched. They're all just like kind of watching on TV, seeing what's happening out in LA. Um, it was strange. It was just a really strange day and, and probably incredibly strange for the Saints who you know, fought back and won four out of their last five and put themselves in position, took care of their business, and they couldn't even properly celebrate a, a big win against a rival because they're all sitting there in the locker room watching the end of the 49ers Rams game. Um, so, you know, all that being said, um, it's going to be very strange uh, watching uh, four rounds of the playoffs from my couch. I'm not really used to that. Uh, I started covering the team in 2018 and, you know, every year uh, they've at least made it to the second round of the playoffs. So um, it's going to be, Odd. I don't know what I'm going to do with my uh, with my weekends. I, I guess I'm just going to watch football like everybody else. 
You can hang out with John, or you can come to a Pelicans game. <laughs> yes, that's that's what I was. That's what I, that's what I'm planning on. Actually, like all, all this free time now, I get to go finally watch the Pels play a little bit more. I went to the yeah. opener. That's the last time I've been to a game. So it's so busy. <laughs> well, it's gotten better since then. So yes, yes. Uh, you, earlier, you mentioned is the continuity of the staff, and as everybody has seen today, multiple coaches are getting let go across the NFL, but. For the Saints, it's not something that they've had to worry about or fear with their head coach. I mean, it's kind of nice to sit back and, and feel secure in, in what your head coach brings and you know, know that even despite all the adversity that they face this season, he did a heck of a job. Yeah, I, I mean, I was thinking about that today when you know the tweets are kind of rolling around throughout the league where you know, Brian Flores is like going Miami and uh, Matt Nagy in Chicago and Mike Zimmer in Minnesota and you know, it's every year on this day, um, we're always talking about the four or five, six, seven head coaches um, who've been who've been fired by their respective organizations. And Saints haven't been in that position since 2006, you know, and they haven't really they barely even had to look for high level assistance. Um, just they've, they've had consistently throughout Peyton's tenure here. They've just had. Yeah, I mean, Pete Carmichael has been here the entire time at offensive coordinator and you know defensive coordinator outside of a couple of years where it got shaky there. You know, I mean, they've they've pretty much had had continuity at those spots too. So it's a huge resource for them, especially because they have you know they they take care of their players and and you know, they extend players when they can, um, you know, when they can afford it. And um, and you know the Saints have had basically the same you know, 30 key people in the building um, for the last five years. Uh, and it get, kind of goes back to what we were talking about with culture and all those guys are there and they know how to operate here and they know what the, what the standard is. Um, so it's, it's a huge resource for new Orleans. And, and I think when you're saying that you also got to realize that Sean Payton does a really good job every year of keeping it fresh and keeping the message fresh because uh, we've seen very, very good coaches who had been in places for a long time, you know, it, where the message got stale and, you know, they ended up having to part ways and those coaches latched on other places. And, you know, Andy Reid won a Super Bowl after spending like 12 or 13 years or whatever it was at Philadelphia. So, um, you know, I, I think there's just a, a lot of, a lot of reasons for, for somebody to commend the job he's done here and, and the, and what he's built here. And, you know, that goes to, for Mickey Loomis and the front office staff too. Um, it's very, very hard to do in modern professional sports. And you mentioned block Brian Flores, a really good friend of mine has been lobbying publicly on, on Twitter for him to be fired all season. And um, so I, hit him today. I said, you know, Miami had had back-to-back nine win seasons since 2002 and three. So what are you looking for? You know, is there some hidden history that he's failed to live up to or something like that? But, but anyway, Luke, you, you understand um, what it's like to cover a team before now. Do you even remember what it's like to cover a team before now? No. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how ready are you to get back to, whatever it was that we called normal as in actually being in a locker room around players. Gosh, man, I, I, <laughs> I'm so ready for that. Like, I, look, I, I don't think people understand that 
maybe they do and, and i'm just like hearing just the the same four annoying voices over and over again but it's it's really important it's not only important for us and for our vanity and, and everything like that it's it's important for people who care about following a team and and for uh for the players themselves i think they look there's there's something that you don't get when your only interaction with somebody is is limited to the five minutes they spend at a podium. Um, if you get to know somebody a little bit, you know, people can can trust you and tell you a little bit more about their story, um, their personal story, or or, or uh, you know explain you know, take take a, an extra minute to explain something that happened in a game, and I think that makes that makes our job a lot more fun granted, but it also helps people understand the game a little bit more, understand the players they root for. Um, and it, you know, in my opinion, it kind of grows the game. And, and on top of that for the players and for the coaches, um, you know, when you're getting a chance to speak to them in person, you know, it, it allows a little bit more of them, whatever they want to, to be out there, uh, to be out there. Um, in a way that is just not you know, possible, in my opinion, when you're you're limited to talking to somebody over the phone or like we are on, on Zoom right now. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd love to be like in a studio with you guys doing this. <laughs> it's a little bit different, you know. It's convenient, but this is a little bit different. So, yeah, I, I just I, I hope that this is not something that is just like a you know, like a permanent thing that we've lost, um, because you know in in this convenience that we have and doing it the way we've been forced to do it these last couple of years um yeah I, I think we've we've also just kind of lost a, a little bit of, of getting to know who these guys are and and you know a little bit more of their stories so hopefully it's these days are done i said that last year though too and look how that turned yeah. out yeah it's just kind of this what the story that never ends kind of thing like keeps going the never ending story right uh before we let you go just any player this year that I know it's been such an up and down year but you kind of think rose above what you thought that they would be this season hmm. yeah it's an interesting question um you know I think um I think we've we've all known um, who Alvin Kamara is as a football player. Uh, he's, he's shown it consistently ever since he came into the league. Um, and this year statistically was not his best year. Um, but I think he proved a lot of things this year um, just in that you know, every single game, it, it was like nine guys who were watching him everywhere he went on a football field. And, you know, he was running behind, you know, just, however many different offensive linemen they had uh, with whoever was handing the ball off to him and throwing the ball to him. And I, I think the season he had considering all that, uh, considering the injury that he had to deal with um, was really, I mean, I think it was one of his best years and, you know, it doesn't show that way on the statistics page, but um, you know, he was a workhorse. He had 30 carries yesterday. Mm -hmm. And that was not the first time this year he's had 30 plus touches in a game. And this is something that we've kind of always talked about with him. It's like, oh, well, you want to limit how many times he, he touches the ball. You don't want him to get hurt. Um, you know, he's he's not like built like a traditional powerhouse, like Derrick Henry, feed him the ball 35 times a game kind of guy. Um, 
but you know he shouldered the load man and and you know they needed him to uh, because at, at times he was he was their only real healthy playmaker on the field um so yeah i think he he deserves probably a little bit more praise than his statistics suggest he should get um just because of you know if, if it wasn't injuries and and whatever else it was the fact that you know a lot of times he was the only guy in the field that anybody really was worried about and and he got a lot of attention that way so a uh, big year for him and, and i think that the saints did a good job of putting the ball in his hands and letting him do some stuff yeah i mean he was definitely the guy when he was healthy and available and he took it on and was no complaints never really said that he was getting worked too hard or anything like that and ends with a career high 30 carries in the last game of the season. So definitely an impressive year by him. It's very fresh. I know the season just ended yesterday, but looking at it in its totality, you know, what, what's kind of a couple words that you would have to describe how this one went? Grit uh, is one. Um, I mean, we don't need to rehash all the things this team's been through, but it's been a lot, <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, and, you know, I think it's, they made it look a lot easier than it was. It was hard. I mean, it was absolutely a grind this entire year. And Sean Payton said it the other day, um, when he was talking about the, the hurricane and being displaced for a month, he's like, that feels like it was two and a half years ago. And it's so true. Like, it, you know, it, it's weird that this season's over and uh, that we don't have any more games to cover uh, because I feel like I've been covering it for, the last like four years of my professional career <laughs> it's just <laughs> I mean it was like it was never ending and it was and every time it seemed like they were turning a corner um where they were about to get guys back or you know I, like I, I think going into the Miami game like before all the COVID stuff happened I'm like wow they actually like they, they look like they can feel the team this week and then yeah that's that's the week where you know everything hit the proverbial fan um so they made it look a lot easier than it was. It was brutal. It was difficult. And it was, it was something there. I imagine they're, they're, they're probably going to be looking back on that in a couple of years and just being like, I can't believe we did all that stuff. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not this season that, that's going to end in a banner or anything like that. And, you know, maybe 10 years from now you look back and it's just a nine and eight on the, on the, the box score or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, being being through it and, and just like experiencing it from like just on the outside of the team. Mm -hmm. um, very, very impressive. And, and yeah, grit is the word I would use to describe that, because I, I think a lot of a lot of teams would have and and probably should have folded under all that. Um, they, they never did. I, I think that's they should be commended for that. I think we talked about it here locally. The media definitely talked about it. And it was mentioned, you know, especially that 22 gate, you know, uh, 22 players were out with COVID game and, and everything like that. I mean, it came up, but I don't think that people really realize, as you're saying, you know, how difficult it is to continue, you know, day in and day out even. Shoot, I mean, I spill my coffee and I'm running late and I leave my card key and can't get into a building for work. And I'm like, what else has to go wrong? And it just makes me you know, throws me off for like the week. Right. But these players, I mean, it's so much more than that. And they're able to perform in front of tons of fans every week and keep giving it their all. So it's definitely been an impressive season, the way that they were able to end it, you know, kind of doesn't 
feel as good as it should, but I think hopefully, you know, they'll realize that it was a big accomplishment, you know, in a few weeks, maybe months down the line. Yeah, yeah. that's one they're all like 50 years old and they're all a little <laughs> fat and they're, they're drinking their cocktails, mm-hmm. like a team, uh, you know, reunion or whatever. They'd be like, remember 2021, man? Like that sucked. But, you know, we were able to get through it. Like, yeah, we still have a winning season. And, you know, who knows? I mean, you, you go through something like that and, and you, you have positive experiences from it. Maybe that is something that can kind of propel you going forward, I think. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a whole hell of a lot better than the alternative where uh, you have all this stuff go bad and then all of a sudden you're slogging through like a five and 12 season. And, yeah. and then who knows where it goes from there. Um, so, you know, I think there's, there's a chance for some positive momentum coming from this and shoot. I, I mean, they used up, they had to have used up like three years of bad luck in this season. So right. uh, yeah, I think they could probably use some of that good luck going forward. Yeah. That's what we're hoping for. Hopefully next year will be a lot easier and that momentum will carry into the next season. Definitely learned a lot. seems like the team grew a lot despite everything for sure. So I appreciate it. Luke, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. JD, I'll see you like, you know, nine months or so. Uh, probably a couple of weeks. See you, bro. It just feels like nine months. <laughs> Thank you so much to Luke for joining us on the podcast today. Good recap of the Saints season. Lots to look forward to in 2022. But of course, we'll be here all off season long. You can find all of our news and notes on neworleansaints.com. Complete coverage from John DeShazer and myself. We'll have three podcasts this week, so we'll see you again on Wednesday and Friday. Next week, we're going to pare it down to two a week, but we'll still be here with everything you guys need to know. So don't forget to download the Saints app presented by Verizon. Tune in on Apple iTunes or check it out on NewOrleansSaints.com. Before I let you go, got to give a shout out to Terminix, locally owned for over 70 years. They have effective solutions that will help to eliminate pest problems throughout the year. Their custom treatments adapt to the season to address seasonal pest activity to protect your home and business all year long. They provide residential and commercial pest and termite control services for the South Shore, North Shore, and River parishes of Louisiana. Protect your home with Terminix. Thanks so much for joining us on the Norland Saints podcast. I'm Erin Summers. We'll see you again, talk to you again on Wednesday.